Block Talk Radio. Yes, yes, y'all. You are now listening to the sound of the shofar blowing. The shofar is a ram song that's blown to inspire the people to do their thing. And the shofar is blown to coordinate a queen or a king. And today the shofar is being blown to call us to nurture ourselves and to help nurture others. Um, this is Full Show Holistic Health on Blog Talk Radio. And I'm your host, Shofar, from Full Show Energy Work. And today my guest is Master Yao Morris. Uh, Yao Morris is the author of Awakening the Master Feminine, and as well as the Oracle of Kim Sanu and other books. He is also a tantric energy healer. I first was uh, uh, introduced to Master Yao back in 2002, and uh, powerful, transformative work. Uh, he was the person that put me on to the Tree of Life uh, system, uh, also Qigong and Tantra. A uh, very powerful uh, person. I'm uh, very honored to have him on, the, uh, on our call today. I consider him uh, not only a mentor or master, but also a friend. And Master Yao, how you doing? I'm doing excellent. Thank you for having me on. Oh, man, it's always an honor, always an honor, especially in these times with all that we have going on. Uh, it is now more than ever family, those of you out there listening right now and those of you who are going to listen through time and space later on. Um, it's a very important time that we are in. And this is a brother that I feel like he's going to be a legend after he's gone, but I say, why not listen to the brother while he's here? <laughs> you know? So um, we, ha- we still have, uh, you know, have you here doing and some amazing things, sharing a lot of really great information. And so it's definitely an honor to have you here, uh, especially in these times in uh, June 2020. With all that we have going on on the planet, uh, it's just really good to to have your voice out there for to give some guidance and, and help people out. So, again, thank you. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm honored with those words. Yeah, no, I, I see you. And some of us see you, and we, we, we you know, we're, we're trying to amplify. It's definitely a, a great time to amplify voices like yourself. So with that, um, uh, family, our show today is about we're going to start the series of uh, the House of the Woman. Uh, we've already done the House of the Man, so you can look on my YouTube or iTunes channel for those uh, or reach out to me on you know, Instagram or whatever if you want to check those out. Uh, but as far as the House of the Woman, we are now going into that. And the first archetype or personality traits, uh, energy uh, these are so the, the the personality traits or energy that we're going to be going over today is the moon. These are a subset or a set, uh, actually, actually a primary set of emotional uh, energy or uh, personality traits that we all as human beings have in us to different degrees, and that through a series of different meditations or uh, tantric energy work, so on and so forth, diet. We can bring these different personality traits and energy, emotion, emotional traits online. So with that being said, though, I'll let uh, Master Yao uh, break down what is the definition of the moon. Well, <clears throat> for those uh, listeners who may not be familiar with the works, uh, a little background. This goes back to 1990 when I started a project called the Amamara Project. And during that project, um, you know, I encountered many people in indigenous culture who had special wisdom. I archived it, and a lot of it had to do with the family, with sexual, with relationships between man and woman, with the tribe, and things like that. Um, as time went on, uh, I, I, I published more and more books from that time period. Awakening the Master Feminine was one of them. The book came about because I was doing uh, tours and and doing speeches and talking about some of the topic material from Amamara, and many of the women found it impactful. I also uh, related during those tours um, things that happened to me, incidences, scenarios that that happened to me before Amamara, before 1990, when I was traveling overseas and I would come back 
and compare the experiences I had overseas with women to the experiences I had here. Um, I, I learned a lot from women where, you know, I would just sit and listen to them and have them explain to me why things were going on in society. It became apparent to me before 1990, before Amamara, that there were certain archetypes of feminine energy. I could kind of um, see it, I could kind of perceive it, but I couldn't quite um, put my finger on it in terms of exactly how to define it. I just knew that certain women were just like certain other women, and they just seemed to fit into these categories, right? But I didn't have mm-hmm. the details yet. And I remember uh, encountering uh, entities and deities during a mamra because, you know, I'm, I'm doing initiations, rituals, and, and talking to all of these swamis and confos and all this, that, and the other. And after a while, it became very clear to me that there was like a, there was a pattern, there was a set of categories in nature that sort of things divided and they fit into these categories. And so I asked the question often, what are the categories of human personality? And I got a lot of different answers. And after a while, I tried, I sorted through all of that. And then I went back to my notes from long time ago and just brought up all those conversations I had with just regular women. And, you know, that's when it started to gel. And that's when it really started to, like, jump out at me that hmm. all of these things that I had observed and thought, that's, that's interesting. It was part of this, like, uh, natural organic system that everything in nature seems to fit into. So there are four archetypes of women, the moon, the treasure chest, the elegant rose, and the seated hawk. Mm-hmm. And in the book, uh, you know, uh, when I was writing the book, the first draft was about 600 pages. And I thought to myself, okay, I don't think they're going to read all of this. So <laughs> I went back and tried to, tried to get all of the concepts that were the most simple, straightforward, and, and I was going for clarity and I got it down to 200 pages. And so, you know, I'm just going to tell you now, and then I'm going to get into the moon archetype. I'm going to tell you something that I observed about the four archetypes that is not in the book. Um, first of all, the part of, you know, you notice that some women have all of these gifts and things and these spiritual gifts. And after, sometimes they come online and sometimes they don't. And it's because there are certain parts of our bodies, there are certain parts of our higher self, our energy bodies, our light bodies and things that most people are not at all familiar with. But women have this faculty inside allowing her to control these things. And that really is the basis for what we call the seated hawk. That is the part of a woman that allows her to control her subconscious her energy body, her, her light body, and those higher faculties. Then, um, you know, there was something that, that we call the nesting instinct that women have, that they want to go and get stuff and prepare for having a family. And, and they want to have other women with them. And when I was young, I saw my mother, she did, she was part of this group of women who had, a, you know, a cartel. They had a bartering system. And I don't think my mother was ever more happy than when she was with those 30 or 40 women and they were exchanging stuff, doing projects, and and just all working together to help each individual be better. Um, That's the treasure chest. But perhaps the strongest archetype of all is the archetype assigned to sustain life. That is the moon. Mm. So you think that, you know, uh, throughout the, the seven years that I was doing the project, probably what was one of the most profound things that came to me was the concept of the womb and that the most holy part of God is the female womb, the, the thing charged sure. with 
keeping life going. And so the moon archetype is created all around this thing. So in the book we describe it, we say that the icon of the moon archetype is the moon itself, and inside of the moon are a clutch of eggs. I saw this vision, Hmm. and I knew exactly, you know, what it meant. You know, the moon is talking about a part of our nature that's not, it's the opposite of the sun. It's at night, it's yin, and inside of the moon is this egg, these eggs, a clutch of eggs. And so it's basically saying that, you know, life is born uh, in a world that's the sun, but in order for it to be nurtured and to be at its best, you have to have it surrounded by this protective nurturing force in order for it to become what it can become. You have to have this moon energy. It's almost like you have to have the opposite energy of what the world is in order for life to be sustained and to keep moving forward. The thing about the moon is that, you know, she keeps giving and she doesn't, doesn't mind giving. In fact, she likes giving and she gives and gives and gives. But whatever she gives, whatever she does, whatever she, you know, she gets more back. She's constantly being restored by nature so that she can keep on giving. She can never give everything away. When you see a mother breastfeeding, you know, at first you think that that this has to be a drain on her. But when women have their moon energy, their archetype activated, you see that they never tire. It, It never bothers them to breastfeed. They always have more nutrients. And when you see mothers who are breastfeeding, and you, if you were to check their blood and all this, that, and the other, if they have the moon archetype online, they are healthier when they're breastfeeding than when they, before they got pregnant. They're not drained. They're not in a condition of, they're in a, a healthier state than the normal woman. Uh, I marveled at this. I also, you know, when you see the women with the moon archetype, you know, the the kid having a child is a hell of a trauma. I mean, if you stop and think about it, what the heck? You something's right. gonna grow inside you, then you're gonna spit <laughs> it out. <laughs> it's right. It's intrusive. It's like, you know, you got this big thing growing right in the middle of your body. Stop and think about that. You know, that's, 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 it's so quite, a, quite a lot. <laughs> the energy that you have to have, the, the yin energy that you have to have to not only do this, but like it, that's a heck of a trick of nature. That's, that's an unconditional love that, you know, that when we look at that and we really stop and think about that, that's amazing. That's a miracle because, most other traits of the woman and all of the traits of the man are antithetical, opposite of that. They don't want that. They don't want to share their body with nobody. They don't want to do, to do that. And so when you look at the woman who has the archetype of the moon online, she is, you know, she's like God's handmaiden to make sure life keeps going and doesn't stop. Uh, whether it's an animal or a plant or whatever, when you look at this this concept of Genesis where we can recreate life constantly, keep it going, it's a miracle. So what, you know, what are the, what are the aspects of this moon energy? You know, um, we, you know, when I first started investigating that, you know, made contact with the entities and the deities about it in the elementals, one of the first things that they showed me was a black hole, you know, like in the galaxy. They showed me yeah. black holes all through the galaxy. And I'm like, okay, that's nice, but what's that got to do with women, darn it? <laughs> hmm. and, and then they showed me everything being sucked into the black hole, and that's a woman. But then they showed me 
that something is always being expelled out of the black hole. We always think everything goes in, nothing comes out. That's not true. What's coming out of the black hole is, the, is like pure thought, pure creative consciousness. And mm-hmm. it's the thing that allows the quantum field to exist. It's the thing that allows dark matter and light matter to come into being in the first place. In other words, we think that black holes are killing the galaxy, swallowing it up. But that's not true. The black holes were there before anything else was. And it's from the black holes that the elemental non-matter came forward from which dust, light, and everything else began to create the world as we know it. In other words, you know, Hmm. you think of the black hole as being, you know, I don't know what's in there because I can't, if you get in there, you can't get back out. But the black holes are always emitting an equal amount of, of elemental life consciousness, the, the thing that makes the quantum field, to the, to the equal whatever it is that they're sucking in. And so, you know, we look at the quantum field and we know it's there and whatever. We don't quite understand it yet. At least science does not. But that's the building blocks for everything that exists in our world, all the atoms, the molecules, all the energy, all the waveforms, all the light, all of that stuff. It comes out of the black hole as, as, as a form that is difficult for us to perceive, you know, that vibration. And so when we look at women, you know, then we have to understand that there's a part of them that's just so opposite of men, so opposite of the sun, so opposite of the world, the way that we see it, that we we tend to overlook it. You know, it's like they have this ability to create. And once, you know, they are impregnated, this thing just takes hold and they just start multiplying. And it separates itself from her body in such a way that the creation can be as pure as possible. So the woman has to, the moon archetype is, is, is her energy is to nurture what is growing, which, which talks about her separating herself from that thing which is growing. And the thing that's growing takes precedence over her own body, her own mind, her own emotions. You know, when women are young, she places the, the, the kids above her own well-being. The, what, you know, when the kids get older, that shifts. <laughs> it shifts, you know, and she gradually you know, lets that go. But the younger the kid is, the more the mother places the child's well-being above her own. I want you to once again stop and consider that, that this is throughout nature, that you know, we're very selfish beings once we become alive. And yet, there's a faculty in women that allows her to get into the state of mind to play something else above her. Mm. And mm-hmm. the rest of us, that, that is not, that's not easy to do. I mean, when you look at kids, they don't want to share toys. <laughs> <laughs> You look at men, they don't want somebody else to drive their car. Uh, We're very selfish beings. But this moon archetype is defined by nurturing, caring, being generous, being submissive, and being maternal. In other words, to nurture what is growing, to constructing a family. Now, there are some problems with it. We find that the moon archetype, once it comes online, it gives the woman weaknesses as well if she does not have her other archetypes online. The main problem with the moon archetype, the main negative aspect, is that she's very concerned about security. And she's not capable of providing her own security once she goes into this moon state. In other words, if you're going to be yin, if you're going to be the vacuum, if you're going to be a black hole, if you're going to be nurturing, if you're going to place something else above yourself, 
It puts you in this yin, passive state. You're not capable of defending yourself from that place. So she needs somebody else to step up and defend her. And the problem with, we have with the moon is when they're in the situation where there is not an, an, a man to defend her. And what we see then is that the moon archetype starts to become dysfunctional. And it starts to, um, to develop uh, attributes that are not positive. And so we can see the moon uh, woman, uh, if that's her only archetype online, um, having phobias and, and having issues and having uh, um, dysfunctional personality traits where, that, are, that are arising because uh, she does not feel secure. And when you look at the world today, you know, you can look at China, you can look at Africa, you can look at Russia, look at America, and what you can see is that most women don't feel secure most of the times. Let's, right. let's look at the economic situation. So, I mean, for the most part in America, if you're working for somebody, it's a better than 50% chance you're working for a man that's going to determine what your hours are, whatever, you know, whatever. Um, if you don't have a car, it's worse. If you, right. um, you know, have a good job and are making a lot of money, then the higher you go up, the greater the likelihood is even more so that men are going to control a lot of your money or your ability to make money or your ability to keep it. They're going to make decisions mm -hmm. about, you know, your banking arrangements. They're going to make decisions about so many things. And this leads to a state of insecurity. Then let's look at the places around the world where, you know, the law enforcement or the justice system is less than par, which is the entire mm -hmm. world, especially the United mm -hmm. States. Mm -hmm. So you don't have any... Um, Men are not necessarily your friends. I mean, men will beat women, they will rape them, they will molest them at the drop of a hat. And, and I mean, it's, it's, this has been going on for 2,000 years. So, I mean, that may not have happened to a particular woman, but if she's got her moon online and nothing else, oftentimes she can become obsessed with, with concerns about, you know, what males, how males would treat her. Um, probably the worst form of insecurity for the woman is once she has a child, uh, having the thought in her mind that she's never going to be in a positive relationship. This can eat away at the heart, and, and for the moon woman can really set up a situation where she begins to act in unproductive ways. So I'm going to go into um, some of the other aspects of the moon in a second, but I want to stop and take questions for now. Okay, yeah, well, I definitely want to hear the other aspects, so we'll definitely make sure to go there too. Uh, so many gems there, family. Uh, I would definitely, you know, go back, listen to that. Uh, that sets the, the foundation for for so many things, just the, the inner over and understanding uh about what was just talked about. I want to go into, uh, segue into uh, the broadcast. I, I know in your book you talk about the broadcast, or in other words, the energy that we're giving off as human beings, and the broadcast that I submit to you, I give you uh, the power you need to do what you need to do, uh, protect me, be strong for me, uh, make my dreams come true. And from what I'm just getting from what you're just saying is that, when there's a place of dysfunction or insecurity going on, which is, surprise, surprise, in June 2020, I'm sure there's a lot of, even it was already at a certain point, and now it's like even amplified, that, that sense of insecurity for the, for the moon. So uh, it used to be an energy of I need you that acknowledges the worth of the masculine, but when we have the term is being thrown around a lot, toxic masculinity, when that's on when that's on par on a global level, I imagine there's a lot of insecurity. So, if you can talk a little bit about how that broadcast has been distorted now. Yes, absolutely. Well, 
let's let's throw out two concepts. So one of the things that happens to the woman that shapes how her moon comes online is something we call the womb imprint. So when the woman, when the girl is like 11, 12, 13, her master feminine faculty comes online and starts to pick and choose which traits in her DNA it's going to bring forward first. And during this time, it tries to tailor the woman for whatever time period, whatever culture, whatever environment that she's in. So you have to understand, women are made to be able to adapt to anything so that whether it's 10,000 years ago or 1,000 years in the future, this faculty is basically saying, okay, I'm not just going to make women based on a straightforward template. We have to be able to tailor her to the times to, so that she can adapt to what's going on today. The way that, that, that nature does this is it gives her this um, feeling that, you know, she wants to find the best man or the champion, you want to call it, the alpha male in her locality. And when the young girl first starts having her period, she has this urge to be penetrated by the alpha male. Now, of course, <laughs> it may not be the real alpha male, but it's it's what that young girl at her immature stage perceives as the alpha male. And I don't know who that's going to be, but, I mean, you know, whatever it is that she sees in men or whatever, or boys, you know, based on her experience, she wants him to penetrate her. The first three that do set up a program in her womb they energetically imprint her womb, not just the physical womb, the energy womb as well. And based on these first three men, she develops a program of what men are. And she then changes herself, her feminine energy, to bring forward the traits that are compatible to that, that composite of a man based on the first three men who penetrate her. Now, if the first three men who penetrate her are good guys, that's going to be a great imprint. It's really going to help her. She's going to bring forward the traits that are going to really help her in life. If those first three guys are knuckleheads, well, Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> Today, in my observation, more than 50% of womb imprints are negative. Now, let's fast forward that she becomes an adult. And let's look, you know, at, at your question about the toxic, you know, uh, syndrome, the toxic things that are going on with women. And so if she starts out with a negative womb imprint, then definitely, you know, the way she's going to interact with men going to have some problems, going to have some problems, definitely. Because, you know, when you're looking at the insecurities, they're going to be heightened. And basically, she's her own worst enemy because she's going to be looking for things that are not going to help her. It's like, you know, she's going to be pursuing agendas that are going to make, that's going to guarantee she's going to have not only problems with security, but problems with finance, problems with relationships. And oftentimes, she feels betrayed because the things that she thinks are going to make her life better don't. Mm. Um, we see it out in the world every day. Now, so how do you know, how would you, how, let me get your input into that before I finish the question. How do you see that, uh, what class of problems that that could possibly cause would you want to deal with first? Well, I, I, so, so many, can... right? It's like uh, I think throughout society it would be so many tiers and so many different angles we could go in. I think one that I see uh, uh, as a major one is what some people term mother wounding, is that we as, you know, human beings, that we have this this wound from, wound from our mother uh, that we're not feeling nurtured or cared for. And that 
and that goes for both men and women with their connection to the, to their their physical mother or with the mother energy of the universe not feeling feeling that there's scarcity not feeling that there's enough time or money different resources so i think that would be the first one that comes to mind it's, it's so true i mean today especially when we're talking about the black woman a lot of them are raising simps <laughs> i mean really i'm, I'm right. serious it's like they're not raising men a lot of them are afraid of the influence of men on their children they don't want strong men around their children um, but mm. the problem with it is when she's trying to raise them herself by herself without the help of a man that's major fail mm. um, and and the insecurity is a real thing so I mean if you get this toxic womb imprint number one you get the upbringing you know uh, uh, lack of financial security and 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 you look around you mm-hmm. you know the police are trying to shoot you and, and throw your your men in jail and throw you in jail sometimes and the society is very restrictive you know you've got a deep state plotting the demise of the population and so she's you know she's raising her children up based on what her peers you know decide is a good framework but it's it's faulty it's messed up and you know her i guess her desire is to try to protect them and whatever but she over nurtures them in a facade type of a way and fails to nurture them in a real type of a way i mean you look at kids today nobody's spending time with them i mean when i grew up and and and, and things had already started when i was a kid i mean they're much much worse now but they, you know there was adults around you a lot and they weren't babysitting you that was that was not a concept when i was a kid babysitting was not a concept in other words uh if your parents had to go someplace they stuck you with somebody and you worked <laughs> even i mean you didn't go over there and watch tv unless they just, you know, didn't even have had anything for you to do. You went, because I lived, you know, on a farm, so you went somewhere and you helped them do whatever they were doing. And if they mm. felt, you know, they liked you, whatever, they thought you were cute because you're little, you know, they wouldn't work you hard, but still you would hang out with them. So you would hang out with adults while adults mm. are doing adult things to learn how adults do adult things. And so you're helping them whatever way you can. And if you can't, you're just tagging along. So people did not stop what they were doing to babysit you. They just shifted you from one group of adults to another group of adults. And you did the same thing you were doing with your mommy and daddy, helping out. And, you know, going about the business of life. Um, the concept of babysitting is, is, is not an indigenous concept. It's like indigenous mm. peoples don't babysit their kids. They just mm. send their kids around the different people in the village and they pick up the different experiences. Today, you know, we don't we don't have stuff for kids to do. We don't make them do anything. They don't have chores. I had chores from ever since I can remember. It, when I couldn't do useful stuff, I was picking up and cleaning up, you know, there was always stuff to clean, pick up, and rearrange because we made a big mess all the time. And so, you know, if it wasn't inside the house, it was outside. And by the time I was six or seven, we had real chores, you know, on the farm or, you know, wood for the stove or out in the forest, getting that right, working with the pets, working with the animals. There was always stuff to do. And, you know, you had time to play, but not like kids today. So, I mean... We don't require kids to do anything. And women think that this is okay. They think that they're nurturing the kids. They are not. Uh, then, you know, my mother, when I was like four and a half, five years old, I can't remember exactly, she started teaching me how to read. She put me on her lap. She opened a book, told me to read it. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> it's like, you know, I'm looking at it like, what do you mean? <laughs> read it fool 
So it's like, oh, they gave this letter, is that, whatever. And so, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so in a few months, because I liked being on my mom's lap, I liked for her paying attention to me, so I learned how to read. I mean, and there's a lot of stuff like that that I did, mm. you know, uh, that I learned how to do because it, my parents were pleased. Um, so, I mean, so she would spend an hour a week teaching me how to read. And, and she spent time doing all kinds of stuff, teaching me all kinds. My father took me with him. He taught me how to do stuff. It's like, okay, um, we're gonna, I'm getting ready to do this. You're coming with me. You know, mothers don't do that as much as they should. What they consider to be nurturing is buying kids stuff, buying them phones, buying them pads, buying them, you know, stuff, buying them, you know, stuff to go on their bed, uh, buying them, you know, clothes and this, that, and the other. And they don't spend time with them doing real kind of stuff. Um it's it's not nurturing. And I think that, you know, a lot of people in this society have forgotten how to truly nurture stuff. Uh, and, I, I, you know, maybe it's not their fault. Because if none of her girlfriends are doing it, her mother didn't do it, her grandmother didn't do it, how in the heck is she supposed to learn how to do it? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so exactly. the broadcast is changed. It's like she doesn't have that broadcast of... of, of you know, I want to submit to you, and and you take care of me, and we're together. We're going to do this. Her broadcast noun is, you know, stay up, stay, stay, keep your distance, don't interfere huh. with me, and uh, you know, just kind of leave me alone, kind of thing. It's like you know, and don't mess with my kids. Exactly. Yeah. No, for sure. And we we see that 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 non nurturing. Uh, and, and I mean, it's hard. It's, it's a lot on women, you know. Uh, it's a lot on the feminine to hold down a job and do forty hours, and that's not including commute time and prep time, and and then also just ha- uh, like what I like to say, making room, making room for her boss and her her other uh, you know coworkers and stuff. Like you know, these things take up emotional bandwidth, you know. So she has all of that going on, not to mention connections with family and then with with her partner. Uh, and then for to ask this, this person this being to still be in a nurturing space with one or, or more kids, that's a lot. And so we can see where it starts to create uh, uh, the, the environment that we're in now where it's, it's, that nurturing is just not happening. It's like, here, go sit on that, go sit on that iPhone. I'm going to drop you off at the daycare and can't wait to get you there. I can't wait for this kid to be five years old so he can go take his little ass uh, to, to school, you know? Uh, so the, the archetype is not waking up in women today. You know, it's not, they're not activating the moon much, not, not like they used to, not at all. Mm. And mm-hmm. it's sorely needed. Uh, even in, you know, women that I, that I know personally, they're having all this trouble breastfeeding. And, you know, I've, I've counseled some of them so that all of that went away. But if they don't have the moon archetype online because they didn't finish puberty, you know, they have a lot of issues carrying kids and delivering, and delivering the baby. And they have even more issues when time comes to breastfeed. That is completely unnecessary. And a lot of this comes about because of the fear of pregnancy. I'm telling you, women all around the world go through a a tremendous trauma psychologically as a consequence of the fear of pregnancy. The parents threaten them. The teachers threaten them. Mm. Their girlfriends will make fun of them. It's like, Mm. you know, you want to have sex, but you don't want to get pregnant. And everybody's like, don't you get pregnant? You know, but that's what she's built to do. (laughs) She's built to have sex and get pregnant. I mean, and other things, too. The Cedar Hawk does, does all this other kind of stuff that she's built to do. But two of the important things that she's made to do is have sex and get pregnant. And so then, you know, how do you reconcile that? I've seen that uh, just that, that little bit that you just said, that, that, that disconnect between nature, the, the mother, the nature, and, 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 the, and, and the woman, and the, the womb being, uh, saying get pregnant, be, fruit, be fruitful, multiply, 
and the societal, the religious, uh, the, the the family, the cultural uh, programming that's, uh, you know, running against that, saying don't get pregnant. And in fact, being fearful about that, it messes with their health and it also messes with their abundance code of their finances and all sorts of things, the ability to bring in resources. So it's quite a bit. <laughs> it is. I mean, there's so many, there's so many aspects to the moon, and, and uh, it's the strongest. It's the, you know, for men, you know, they have, uh, you know, the warrior is probably the most dominant archetype. For women, it's the moon. But so many women today, they don't finish puberty, and that moon never comes online. Uh, when you look at the impact of that in our society, it's devastating, and it's devastating to the woman. Uh, they're, you know, they're afraid of pregnancy. They're afraid of being sexual. They're afraid of being, you know, passive. They're afraid of submission. They're afraid of so many things that that's their, that's in their nature, and so they're they're constantly going against their nature. Um, when you see all four of the archetypes together, you know it's quite a pa- package. But so few women have those archetypes all in, all together. And so you, you see that, you know, when you separate it and you break it up and you, and you, you know, oppress her so that she doesn't finish developing, it's, it just it destroys the society. Wow. Yep. Most definitely. Most definitely. I think well, this has is, hurt mm-hmm. the, the mm-hmm. more. Then feminism. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Let's go there. <laughs> well, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get into detail about it. But I'm just saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in my grandmother's generation, you know, mm-hmm. there were a lot of feminine women. Today, not so much. And I think the the biggest change is feminism. Uh, they had a good um, cause. What they were shooting to accomplish was a good thing, but boom, by the, once it got into this whole political um, jumbo and people started changing things for their own personal agendas and the political agendas, it became one of the worst things to happen to our society. And it destroyed the moon. Women don't even want to bring it online anymore. They, they see it as a as a drawback. It's a drawback, um, something something weak, right? It's like this whole concept of creating a family with the man, kids, and and being the nucleus of it is not something women want to do. Women want to get married, but the whole concept of the nuclear thing that's out the window now. Women want to get married and then impose into the marriage feminist ideology, which is the opposite of the moon ideology. And so, you know, Mm -hmm. the family is no more. Very interesting. Yeah, I can can totally see that uh, alive in our society right now. And... um, yeah, that 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 is uh, very much here. And in closing out here, um, uh, there's so much that we could go into just this archetype. But I know you said you had some, I guess, some different uh, sub categories with the moon or different things that you wanted to go into. So, uh, if you want to touch on those a little bit. Well, okay. Uh, so we used to have a book called The Return, and. Um, right. We, we've taken it out of stock. I don't know if we're going to bring it back or not. But in that book, we talked about something called the star cycle of the African-American people. It's a 400-year cycle that started around 1616, and it completed its first rotation in 2016. And in the book, The Return, which was published about 2000, 2001, somewhere in there, we, we, to- we laid out all of the events that have happened up to 2020. 
we don't we did not have all of the years exact precise but we basically laid out in the star cycle what was going to happen beginning 2009 and we talked about the turmoil the upheaval and the, the you know the constant failings and and the, the, the you know that gradually society would begin to have have the kind of issues that we're seeing today right um, and I think that um, you know the people who read the book want me to bring it back, but but it, I don't think it would sell because the people who 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 already have the book are the ones that want me to bring it back. But you know, <laughs> the people who haven't read it don't know what's in it, so they wouldn't buy it. Um, right. When I when I look at that, it it you know, and I see things unfolding faster and faster, faster every year. We decided to. Um, to release a lot of information that we had not released before in Grandtron. So approximately three years ago, we started, you know, releasing a lot of uh, information. And so we've been doing that by having classes on those topics. And then, uh, you know, I'm, I'm generating books or handbooks, some private, some public. So right now I'm working on a, a brand new book and I can't give out the title, but I'll just say that it deals with high-level orgasm, and it deals with semen retention. So we're going to talk about that, and and it, it definitely impacts women, and it definitely impacts the the ability to activate the females, uh, not only her four archetypes, but the higher faculties within those four archetypes. So. We have a class coming up beginning July 23rd. Uh, you can take it online or you can come to Atlanta in person and take it. And, you know, the title, the exact title we can't say, but it, roughly it's dealing with the, the aspect of, of orgasm that most people rarely experience. Um, we wanted to... to to expose a lot of the secret stuff or the really secluded private kind of stuff, you know, only a few people in Grand China have been exposed to. We want to make it more mainstream. So there's there's a lot of things that's happened to people who had who are lucky enough to have the experience of ESR or high level orgasm, and we want to explain why that is, and we want to really get into the science of it and. There's several what you would call secret premises or secret doctrines or whatever having to do with that, and we're going to, to the extent that we are permitted, uh, reveal that. So this is a you know a class we've never done before, like so many classes we've been doing in the last two years, uh, and it's it's sort of a continuation of what we did with the heart work, the heart integrative system which, you know, has blown a lot of people away. Then we did a class on the pain body this year, uh, and we did a class on the house of the man, house of the woman this year, which looked into the books. But this is really going to be probably, you know, it's kind of tier four material. <laughs> Excuse me. If you, you know, if you're going to classify it that way. But, mm-hmm. uh I mean, we're you know we're really going to be uh, going into some stuff that's rarely, if ever, talked about. That talks about how you can use these higher expressions of sex to achieve, you know, just um, unheard of achievements and benefits. It's it goes beyond spiritual sex, and it goes beyond good physical sex. It, it goes beyond full body orgasms and things like that. So we're going to lay this out for the first time in a way that, you know, um, I think that people can definitely understand it. And we're going to uh, be coming out with the book probably right after the class. That's coming up in July. Nice. Nice. Very good. Very good. Well, and... uh, in this link and everything, we'll make sure to put the information so that people can, um, you know, find you and, you know, you know, join this class, get the book and everything. Uh, so I, I guess in 
uh, closing out, is there anything else you'd like to say on the moon and or is there any other things you have coming up that you want to talk about? Just take take us home, in other words. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. So I understand you're going to be... <coughs> I understand you're going to be doing the other three archetypes, to, and so uh, I would say, you know, you'll every time you get another archetype, you'll also understand the moon better, because they all, you know, intertwine, and, and you see how they're interdependent one to the other. So, you know, the moon, the moon archetype, that's the part of the woman that wants to get married. <coughs> And a lot of a lot of men really don't understand it. Uh, they fight against it, which they need to stop. But uh, I think that I would like to see women, as a group, really take another look at the moon and really take another look at these these concepts like the womb imprint, the fear of pregnancy, epigenetic issues that women are faced with. And the the whole concept of of what the family looks like today, and really start thinking about, you know, let's set the intention of what we want, and what does it take for us to get there. I'd love to see as a community that we do that, that we look at these things that's wrong, and it's so easy to point out what's wrong, what's lacking, but I think the the purpose of the book is to show us what should be. And, and hopefully motivate people to find a way to get there. That that would be my statement. Love it. Powerful. Beautiful, beautiful. Hey, well, no question. Um, so much here. I'm going to be re-listening, uh, retaking this into my my heart space, and and rehear. Notice how the word "hear" y'all has to. Uh, all you got to do is put a T on it, and you got got the word "heart." I don't think that's by coincidence. So I'm going to be going back into my heart space and hear this. And um, this is powerful information. This is uh, right on time, 2020. Uh, this is stuff that we need to, the, these higher sciences, uh, that they can really do as well in this moment that we find ourselves in individually and collectively. So, again, with that, uh, Master Yao, definitely appreciate you. Uh, this is timely and timeless. And uh, thank you again for coming through again, dropping gems. Thank you for having me again, sir. It's always a pleasure. Amen. Aho, ashe. And uh, again, family out there, we appreciate and love y'all. Thank you for listening. Again, to those of you on right now with us and listening, and those of you through time and space listening to the quote-unquote future, um, thank you all. We love you. And again, you are listening to Faux Show Holistic Health on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Shofar, from Faux Show Energy Work. And uh, keep S-E-X in your life. Keep shining, keep evolving, and do so exponentially. Peace.